Explorer, this is Houston. Go ahead, Houston. Mission abort. Repeat. Mission abort. Explorer, this is Kowalski confirming visual contact with debris. Debris is from a BSE sat. Repeat. Okay. I have a record. Dr. Stone requesting faster transport. We have to go. We have to go, go, go. Kennedy reports meteorological conditions. Go, go. Houston, Explorer, copy. Explorer, Dr. Stone requesting faster transport to Bay Area. Explorer, do you copy? Explorer, permission to retrieve Dr. Stone. You're go, Kowalski. No, don't wait for us. Man down! Man down! Man down! Man down. Welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And before we get to today's episode on Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity, we will be giving you some recommendations for the week. Ian, uh, I'm going to go first. Please do. So I wanted to do something more more science fictiony, more spacey. Um, I didn't quite get there, but this is this is kind of a space movie if you've seen it. And so I watched uh, Dark City. Do you know this movie? I do know. Dark Have you City. seen it? Yeah. Okay. A long, long time ago. So this is a movie that um, I tried watching a while ago, and the disc I had was way too scratched. And I was able to find it again very, very cheap. And so I, we watched it the other night, and. I, I was really entertained by it. And I don't know Alex Proyas very well. I know he did The Crow. Um, uh, I Robot, I think. Okay, well. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason this has been on my radar for a very long time is because our good friend Roger Ebert, this was his number one film of 1998 when it came out. And again, being young and at that time up and coming film lovers – Ebert was one of the like people you could go to like, oh, well, what did he like really well? And I remember this, I was like, I've never even heard of this movie. And granted, I was very young at the time, but this has been on my radar for what, over 20 years. And I fi- finally just watched it the other night, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so the movie basically follows uh, Rufus Sewell, who um, wakes up and doesn't quite remember who he is. Uh, he kind of pieces together that he is married to Jennifer Connelly. Uh, They're having some marital spats. And um, he essentially, he may or may not be a killer of prostitutes. That's what, that's something that's happening. Um, and William Hurt is like the detective kind of hunting him down. What we don't realize right away what's going on is that this world is literally being controlled by these people who live underground. I forget what they're called. Um, but they're all bald. They all wear these like crazy 
black trench coaty kind of things, but kind of futuristic y. And it's something called tuning, where each night at midnight, they literally change the world. New people get different identities, people's homes change the architecture, the space. And essentially, Rufus Sewell has sort of uh, evolved. And he is a human who now has some of the powers that these guys have. And uh, Keeper Sutherland plays the scientist who is a human, but because of his knowledge, he kind of helps the these people do what they need to do. Um, and then you kind of find out that there's a there's a there's a twist, of course, because kind of a sci-fi thriller, um, and how they how they deal with it. And and you know it, it it says a lot about you know you know what what do we really know and and how important are memories and and you know it it really it's interesting because you realize that are, are any of these relationships actually real because of how long they've been they've been fucked with by these people um i think as as like science fiction original movies go i think the script is really great i i was totally into it um and you the the visual effects aren't great. It's ninety eight. We're we're still learning what we can do, but in terms of the storytelling devices and and what we're what they're trying to say, it, it's like you know the visual effects in Cube. You know they're not great, but you kind of look past it because Cube is really interesting. Well, Cube is terrifying. I love Cube. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt about this. I, you look past the faults of the ninety eight special effects, and you you kind of just dive into the story. Which I thought was really great. Um, and uh, uh, there's another uh, Richard O'Brien um, from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is, and he's like one of the main bad guys. It's got a great supporting cast, very interesting sort of again like kind of neo noir feel to it. It really has that like William Hurt wears the uh, the um, the fedora and the trench coat. Um, Jennifer Connelly sings at a bar. It's really got like an old school vibe to it. Yeah, and there's but, a huge cult following for this movie. Yeah, and again, I, you know, it's one of those ones that, you know, I feel like this is a movie that's going to get lost to time, right? It doesn't have a lot of, there's no accolades really besides Ebert being a big champion of it. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it has a lot of famous people in it, but nobody's best of their career, but there's something also so the, interesting about it. The the Matrix was pretty much hot on its heels, and so obliterated anything the next else. year. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything in its wake would have not yeah, yeah. held up so well. But um, I don't know what else to say. It, it's I think it's totally worth a watch. Um, and it, really, you know, I I like any movie where I don't know what's going to happen next. It doesn't have to be a thriller. I just like to keep keep guessing. Like what what are these characters going to do? And th- it did that very well. And uh, I yeah I I you know I I feel good about my recommend like I I'm not saying a half-hearted recommend I didn't watch something I'd seen before my last two recommends were movies I'd seen a bunch of times um, Fugitive and There's Something About Mary so well you're prompting me to to track it down and see it again because it has been ten plus fifteen kind of years yeah, sort of yeah. thing and I know there's also a director's cut he he got to go back and tinker with it a little bit so well I I'm, I have a really not great DVD copy of it so if I could find it on the cheap I wouldn't mind owning it on Blu-ray because that yeah I'm I'm almost certain they've put the Blu-ray out of the Great. director's cut. Awesome. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, find, I would say seek it out. I think it's definitely worth your time to check this out. Um, so that's mine. Ian, what do you got this week? So I do have an Alfonso Cuaron film. I have, from 2006, Children of Men. So Children of Men was actually in the book at one point. 
Yeah. And it, and it's come out in, in subsequent editions. But if for anybody who hasn't seen Children of Men, it's uh, in the future, 2027. Uh, women have become infertile for, for no apparent reason. And uh, we've got Clive Owen, who plays Theo, who is contacted by this uh, rebel organization, the Fishes, who are fighting for, uh, you know, a free world and immigrant rights and things like that. He's uh, been asked to transport a pregnant woman to this floating sanctuary at sea, the, the Tomorrow, the ship which supposedly uh, is doing research to try and figure out how we can, you know, turn the tide and, and figure out why all women have gone infertile. And it's a really dark, bleak, dystopian view of the world where chaos sort of reigns and the only country left standing is the uk mm-hmm. and there's a lot of of fear surrounding immigration and, and a lot of distrust and it's it's all those things that you would come to expect from a dystopian sort of future thriller uh great great supporting cast julianne moore michael kane she would tell for yeah um, uh, a young charlie hunnam oh yeah, uh, Danny Houston has one really great scene yep. in the, what they call the Ark of the Arts. Is a cousin of Clive Owen's character who's trying to weasel uh, uh, travel passes out of him, and he's uh, at Battersea Power Station. And there's a great Pink Floyd reference, uh, the Animals album with Battersea Power Station, the floating pig above it. You said uh, Michael Caine, yeah? I did say Michael. Okay, Caine. good, good. Yeah, yeah. Michael Caine is amazing in it, and yeah. supposedly based his performance on John Lennon. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can see that. He's, like, he's trying to imagine what John Lennon would be like at that age. Yeah. Um, but you know, I saw this movie twice when it was in theaters, and it I I found it challenging and and shocking and beautiful and bleak, and the end is really life affirming. Yeah. I mean, it really is a film that that inspires hope. Yeah. And I got to tell you, this film is not getting any easier to watch in the world that we live in now in a, in a world where we're heading into, you know, Brexit, especially because the film is set in the UK. Yeah. Um, and what's going on over there now with the Brexit situation, it made it really, really difficult to watch this last go around. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was a, a sort of warning when it first came out and now it's a, it's definitely a lot more than that. It's a, like, Hey, we got to, this is where we could be. Yeah. we got to try and stop this shit. I mean, it's it's becoming quite the sort of parable. Yeah. Um, it's got three masterful long shots in it. Yeah. And especially that last one, the the Siege of the City, is, is still one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen. It's about a seven and a half minute shot where he's been separated from Key, the, the girl that's pregnant. Yeah. And he's trying to, to race after her because the fishes have kidnapped her. And they're trying to use her baby as a, as a cause, as a symbol. Yeah. Um, but that is just, it's, it's breathtaking. I yeah. don't have any other adjective for it. And the, the, the other one that's really impressive, and the, the making of it is almost more impressive than the shot itself, is the one in the car. Yeah, yeah. Bouncing back and forth between the five people in the car as, the, as they're trying to outrun, you know, this mob. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how they shot that thing, the, yeah. the, the gimbal and the, and the different rigs they had to use and moving the actors and moving the camera in and out of it. Absolutely incredible. Um, the birth scene as well as the the other long shots about it's a shorter one it's about three minutes yeah. or so but it still knocks the wind out of me every time yeah yeah i the first time i saw it i didn't like it um 
and I think this is this was it's, it's a little tough. Well, it, but I think this was this was like this was because uh, it was oh six, so I probably saw it when it, after it came out. I'm in college. I probably was very pretentious about liking things. I, I know. I mean, I know that I was, and I didn't rewatch it again until about two years ago, and was like again, it, like other movies, like District Nine was that way too. Where for like, eh, I don't really like this, and then the second time, I'm like, what the fuck was I missing? Yeah. And why can't we get Clive Owen to do more movies like this? I don't know. I don't know what happened he's, to that he's, career, man. He's he's suffering from just not picking great projects. I, or, I don't know. I don't know if they're not coming his way or yeah. what's what's going on, man. Yeah. Because the last somewhat decent thing that he was in that I can recall was probably the International ten years ago, the one he did with Naomi Watts. I never saw that. That's that's a good movie. Was the Nick good? That's the TV that's series, the show, right? right? Yeah, that's yeah. Soderbergh. I've heard nothing about that. I, I see. I've heard it's. I've heard it's good, but I also know it probably went way under the radar. Oh, he did another one that same year. The oh nine was a good year for him. He did the international. He also did a film called The Boys Are Back no, uh, with George Mackay from oh, uh, yeah. nineteen seventeen. That's a that's a really touching movie as well that I would highly recommend if you're a Clive Owen fan. Yeah. But anyway, Children of Men. Yeah. Um, God, that movie, it just, it cuts right through me, man. And I love what Curon said about it is uh, that he wanted to make a film that didn't end with a credit, with with the credits, that when the credits roll, that's the beginning of something. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's that's nice. Well, not, and that's great. That, I mean, it's a perfect segue. You know, Children of Men, Alfonso Cuaron, leads us to what we're talking about today, which is gravity. Um, Quite uh, a gap between films. It really, yeah, it really was. Um for someone with the promise, I mean, he's re- his his Harry Potter movie is regarded as the best of them, and then he makes Children of Men, and then he disappears. Well, yeah. not disappears, but he doesn't make another feature for seven years. Seven years, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he wrote this with his son Giannis, which is great. Um, now you can talk about uh, this movie. Sandra Bullock plays Ryan Stone. I mean, yeah, George Clooney is in it. He plays Matt Kowalski. Um, Ed Harris is the voice of Mission Control. I don't. That's that's who I have. If you want to mention the other guy that's in it for like a second, you can. No, no, no. I'm not being mean, but like. No, no, no. I get you. All the all the rest is other than than Bullock and Clooney. It's all voices. And yeah. I, I love the callback. Ed Harris playing Mission Control yes, that like he did in Apollo great. 13. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Orso Ignatiusen is Aningak, mm-hmm. the uh, the native Inuit man uh, that she's able to get into contact with, and then uh, Paldet Sharma plays Sharif. Yeah. And again, it's just just a voice. Yeah. I mean, we see his character, but we never see his face. Yeah. So that's it's all, so, it's all digital. Alfonso Cuaron has one other film on the book. Uh, it's Roma. What I didn't realize until this most recent time looking through the book to you know for this my the prep part of this, um, the director listed of Roma is not Alfonso Cuaron. It's John M. Chu who is directing the um, upcoming In the Heights movie that I'm excited about. But clearly, that's a typo. Oh, yeah. So, 1,001 by 1, or 1,001 movies to see before you die, get your shit together. Yeah. Because that's not right. Yeah, somebody should have proofed that. Yeah, fuckers. Um, so and while you're at it, put I, Daniel Blake back in while you're God proofing your shit. damn it. Um, so, accolades. And Magnolia. Oh, that, that's, that's so bad. That's Sons so bad. Um, I mean, this movie, I mean, Jesus Christ. So, this was up for a lot of Academy Awards. Let me tell you what it won first, because that'll just be easy. This won Best Director, Best Cinematographer, Best Editing, Best Score, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects. Here's now, the director one, is, that's a big one. He's the first Hispanic director to ever win Best Director. That's great. And I yep. love whenever we're able to make history, 
Let's do it. And he would go on to win a second one. Yeah. Um, here's what it lost. It lost production design. It lost that to The Great Gatsby. It lost Best Actress to Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. And it lost Best Picture to 12 Years a Slave. Any thoughts there? All of those I'm okay with. Me too. Um, at the BAFTAs, again, hold on, give me a second here. It won Best British Film, Director, Cinematography, Sound, and Visual Effects. It lost Original Screenplay, which how it was nominated for Original Screenplays was something we can talk about in a little bit. Uh, film, Actress, Editing, and Production Design. I think we can all agree that it should have been Lewin Davis that won Original Screenplay. Was it nominated at the BAFTAs? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, uh, it was up, uh, sorry, Sandra Bullock had a SAG nomination. Um, the AFI gave it film of the year. Um, the Cahiers du Cinema, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right dialect, uh, was the fourth best film. It won the DGA. Got to go back to our good friends at the Kansas City Film uh, Film Critics Circle. It won, uh, it b- tied Best Director with 12 Years a Slave, and Sandra Bullock won Best Actress. It tied at the PGA for the best film with 12 years of slave, the Seattle film critics, the the first time that they'd ever had a tie at the PGA. Yes, you're right. The Seattle film critics gave it best director, cinematographer, editing and visual effects. It lost best best picture to her, which is pretty cool. Um, and best actress to Brie Larson for short term 12. And it lost best score to only God forgives, which I thought you would like, because I know you like that movie. I love only God forgives. And as far as, them giving picture to her, her left absolutely no impression on me. Uh, I haven't seen it since theater, so I don't, yeah, I don't that, know that I have that a real. Couldn't give a shit. Now, and the, the last thing I that I have is that it was the seventh highest grossing film that year. But here's this is I, I will give this film credit in one way. Let me read the films that were before it. The, and um, this is one through six in terms of box office. Iron Man three, The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Dis- Which was, was that the second one? Yeah. Okay. Despicable Me 2, Man of Steel, Monsters University, and Frozen. So basically, it's like the one that isn't uh, a part of a franchise or a sequel. To, and, and I give credit. And those are domestic grosses. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, which I, I'm, I'm going to give it that credit in terms of like, you know, it's hard for original movies to make it at the box office. Yeah. So, Especially as my, it did 723 million worldwide. Boom. That's a lot that's, of money. That's impressive. Um, this movie is not, Oh, sorry. Accolades. Are, did you have, did you have anything else? Okay, great. Um, oh, well, it got some, it got some, uh, like 3d creative arts awards for like cinematography and, and things like that, uh, which I have, some, I have some, yeah, I have some <laughs> thoughts on the 3d. <laughs> Um, this movie is not currently on the IMDb Top 250. It has a 96% critical, 80% audience, which I think sounds about... The 80% audience is, sounds about right. The 96 critic that's high. I, I think it's high, but I also think that I, I, the, the history of it, I, I, I can't... It, it, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you have any critical things you wanted to read? I do. Mm-hmm. I have Matt Zoller-Zeitz... Uh, review from uh, RogerEbert.com. He gave it four stars. He says, The most surprising and impressive thing about gravity isn't its scale, its suspense, or its sense of wonder. That, in its heart, it is not primarily a film about astronauts or space or even a specific catastrophe. At at times it plays like a high-tech version of shipwreck or wilderness survival that happens to take place among the stars, and that would fit nicely on a double bill amongst uh, Deliverance, 127 Hours, or Castaway. 
For all its stunning exteriors, it's really concerned with emotional interiors, and it goes about exploring them with simplicity and directness, letting the actors' faces and voices carry the burden of meaning. It's a film about what happens to the psyche as well as the body in the aftermath of catastrophe. Um, I, I pulled something from A.O. Scott, New York Times. Um, Good writer. I, I like A.O. Scott. Yeah. Um, so I'll just pull, I just pull a little section because I – yeah, no, I'll just read it and we'll, we'll see what we think. The defiance of impossibility is this movie's theme and its reason for being. But the main challenge facing director Alfonso Cuaron, who wrote the script with his son Giannis, is not visualizing the unimaginable so much as overcoming the audience's assumption that we've seen it all before. After more than 50 years, space travel has lost some of its luster, and movies are partly to blame for our jadedness. It has been a long time since a filmmaker conjured the awe of 2001 or the terror of Alien, or captured a fresh the spooky wonder of a trip outside our native atmosphere. That's really well written. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty insightful. I like that. Let's should we briefly talk about what this movie's about? Before because, we do. Okay. Uh, oh yes. I, I, I had, no no, you're all good. Before, before we do, I have uh I have one more little fact that I liked while we're dealing with accolades and uh and you know, awards and such. Yeah. Uh, it was the most illegally downloaded movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> almost 30 million downloads i don't know why that just amused me i mean it it both does and doesn't amuse me go to the fucking theaters you fucking incels but we whenever whenever we get the chance to to do lists i know this is this is a podcast that love lists i love lists i love lists i love lamp i do you really love lamp i love lamp i have a list that you wouldn't have found is because it? it's my personal list okay. of the 10 best of 2013. Okay. Now, spoiler alert, Gravity isn't on it. I, that That's not a spoiler alert. <laughs> it was in contention, though. Okay. As was Captain Phillips. Those were the two that, that I had didn't a hard, make your... I had a hard oh. time leaving. I had a hard time leaving Captain Phillips. More, more so than Gravity. I had a hard Fucketh time. you. I know. I know. I had a very hard time leaving Captain Phillips off. But okay. this... I so, have my 10 best of 2013. Oh. I went into my archives and I and I found this. I thought it would amuse you. I could try to find mine, but possibly enrage you. Okay, I'm ready. Can I can I make comments? But yeah. Great. Of course. Okay. I like this. And I know exactly just get it out of the way right now. You can call me a Ridley Scott fanboy all you want. Number 10 is The Counselor. Never seen it, so I don't know. It's great. Okay. Very underrated. Okay. Number 9 is Prisoners. Should be higher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight is Dallas Buyers Club. Take it off. That that I, that no. no. That wouldn't have made it at all. No. I really like Jared Leto in it though. D- really? Yeah, oh, I really man. do. That movie is when Oscar you, bait to the max. I know it is. But when did you ever think you'd hear yourself say Academy Award winner Jared Leto? I don't know. Never. Uh, number seven is Nebraska. Okay. Uh, number six is August Osage County. Uh, no, nah, I'm too familiar with the play. Yeah. Did yeah. the movie not do it for you? No. Oh, man. I, I, it, I tell you, it was really nice to see Julia Roberts trying again. Sure. I, I it wouldn't have made my list. It's fine, but yeah. I, I just, the, the play is magnificent. And see, I hadn't read the play. Yeah. Uh, although I do love Tracy Letts. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Mm hmm. Like, Killer Joe. Like, what the fuck? fuck is that yeah. I, st- I still don't know I've who knows seen, I've seen yeah. Friedkin's movie like a half a dozen times I've, I've seen no- I've seen that play done on stage oh you lucky it's fuck cr- not like not it was a college production it was still good but yeah. it's, it's nuts it's yeah. fucking bizarre I would love to see that uh, number five is The Wolf of Wall Street yep yep 
Uh, number four, Only God Forgives. I've never seen it. I, I, yeah. yeah. Number three, 12 Years a Slave. Okay, yep. Number two, Out of the Furnace, which probably didn't make anybody's year-end best list. You know what? We, we saw that in theaters. I, that I, movie knocked me the fuck it's out. It's a tough watch. I love it. It's good. I love Harrelson that. is nuts. Yeah, and I love I love that cast. Harrelson. Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck, Willem Dafoe. Oh, uh, Dafoe is in it. Zoe Saldana. She's great. The scene where on she... The, yeah, on the bridge. Yeah. yeah oh, my God. God damn that it. That was like... Yeah, that was rough. Uh-huh. That's rough stuff. And Forrest Whitaker. Fucking Forrest Whitaker's in it, he's too. He's the cop. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's like so Zoe Saldana's new... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. And uh, Sam Shepard. Oh, he got... Fucking Sam Shepard. What a great cast, man. Yeah. Great cast. Number one... Inside Lewin Davis. Okay. Oh, I forgot that was the year. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, you know, I'm Cohen, Ridley Scott and Coen Brothers fanboy, yeah. so I mean, kind of makes sense. Like, oh. I, I don't know if I had to go back. Captain Phillips would have would have made my ten yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm looking at this going, man, I'm really struggling to justify not having it in here. And you're right. I think Prisoner should be higher. <laughs> Prisoner is so fucking good. I think either either Dallas Buyers Club or, or Osage County is coming out so that Captain Phillips can come in. I like it. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Nice. But that, nice. that was that was the list that I made at the time. Yeah. Well, there you go. I like it. Yeah. I'm on board. Um, okay, so this movie. As I mean, as plots go, I mean, I mean, in terms of like the grand plot, very simple. Um, Sandra Bullock plays Ryan Stone. She is more of a of a, a scientist than she is actually a um, an astronaut, but she's up there uh, to do something on the. So they're they're attached to the Hubble. Hubble. Telescope, that's what I thought. She's she's uh, attaching the the prototype. Yeah. Of something that's going to help interface with the Hubble. Tele- I don't. I know they say it, but it's yeah. It's a middling detail. It's not important. Yeah, and 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 uh, uh, George Clooney is Matt Kowalski. He is the seasoned. Uh, astronaut up there it's his last time out so they yeah. make a big deal about that and he's trying to the, break anatoly's record yes. for the longest spacewalk indeed and, yeah. and uh what we hear eventually through ed harris is that there was um there's going to be debris the, the, the russians shot down one of their old out of use satellites yeah, which they it. they thought was going to not be an issue it turns out that it is um and basically all hell breaks loose and they do some math and basically they know that every 90 minutes this debris is going to come by again and and, and cause it's, it's rotating at like twenty thousand miles an hour. Yeah, so they're basically trying to, which is based on a real theory, but yeah, that, that was about the Kessler syndrome, which was came about in the late seventies. Some guy hypothesized that this could actually happen. I think it's been proved to be implausible now, but it's still a, an interesting idea. And it's a great, sounds like a great plot of a movie, which yeah. ended up being yeah. Um, and then and so and then basically that's that's what's and then. <laughs> Without getting into plot details at the moment, basically it's just Sandra Bullock trying to find a way to get back home. I just want to leave it at that. Cast away in space. Yeah, there you go. Um, Is the way that I've talked to some people who dismissed it. Like, why would I watch it? It's just cast away in space. Yeah. So. Which to that I say, you should give it a shot anyway. (laughs) So where do you want to start, my friend? Well, I... I love the the playfulness at the beginning. I think George Clooney is exactly what this movie needs. I agree. And I'm glad they went with Clooney over Downey Jr. Because Downey Jr., I think, was the original choice for that role. Yeah, I don't know that we would have... Um, we would have liked their connection so much. Because Clooney can be very self-effacing, you know? And, and Downey's just kind of 
a sarcastic ass. Yeah. And I'm not, and I don't know them as people, but in terms of how they present Their themselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clooney was. You don't. You don't want. Absolutely. Iron, you don't right. want Iron Man up there. No, you don't at all. You want. You want the 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 assuredness of Clooney, which is great because because he can. He he ekes charisma, but without trying. Yeah, there's no it, it presentation. Seems, it seems very effortless for him, and his yeah. charm is exactly what this movie needs to to sort of let the air out of the balloon every once in a while. Because once that balloon fills up, holy shit, man! Like I so I remember I remember seeing this and being I was taken with it. Like I get it. This is a, it's an impressive movie, mm-hmm. and especially reading about it and how long it took. I mean, they thought they were going to have this thing wrapped up in it. It took four and a half years, yeah, from green light to make this movie. Well, there's that gap you were talking about. Yeah, insane, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I, I wasn't. I mean, so I was taken with it on a on a technical level. But as far as the story and the performance, I was like, yeah. I mean, it's serviceable enough. It, it's good. Yeah. And then I would, would talk to people that I worked with about it, and they were like, "Oh, you, you did. You went and saw it. Did you see it in 3D?" And they're like, "No, you got to see it in 3D." Get the fuck out of my face with that. Just because I didn't see it in 3D doesn't mean I didn't see it. Like I've seen 3D movies. Like I saw Avatar in 3D. Yeah, couldn't have given a shit. Me too. Me too. It's it's a stupid gimmick. I'm glad that it seems to have, for the most, most part, part. Yeah, died yeah. off. I agree. It was a gimmick in the 50s. And it's a fucking gimmick now. Yeah. And, and and it's funny. Basically, everything you just said, I totally agree with. You can't deny the the visual effects, the time and effort that was put into this movie. It's you can see it everywhere. The amount of research and yeah, and the, yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, yeah, beyond just what you see on screen. I mean, they really. The, the the effort and the detail put into it, it's all there. Like, I know some of it isn't scientifically sound, and this isn't a science podcast, so I'm not going to go on a symposium. I mean, I, I read about all the things that yeah. people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, oh, this would never happen, and that would never happen. But, yeah. I mean, it's a work of fiction, guys. Yeah. If you, if you want... If you want real and watch a fucking documentary, which is nothing wrong. I love documentaries, but that's that's not this. And Karan said, like, you know, we did the research. We know how this shit is supposed to go, but there's certain sacrifices you have to make in order to make it watchable. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to keep up in seats. But there's also a flip side of that coin as well. There's other there's other scientists and astronauts that said, wow, there's there's little details. Like there's one astronaut who talked about how you know, he would carry this tool in his pocket on the spacewalks that he did. And there it is. There's that tool. So you got to appreciate that, hey, you know, they did their best. Yeah. Oh, To totally. try and get some of the little details right, even if they have to fudge the bigger science. Yeah. I just, I, I can't, it drives me nuts when people get on their, their soapboxes about, well, this wouldn't happen in real life. And I'm like, yeah, well, this isn't, it's a fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not real life. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um. So one thing that's totally not important, but I want to bring it up because this movie broke a rule that I thought, like an unofficial rule that I thought was set in stone. Would you like to know what that is? Go for it. This is a PG-13 movie that got two fucks. Oh, that's right. It does. Sandra Bullock says it twice. Usually that that, that doesn't fly, but she got to say fuck twice in this movie. And uh... well, I think and the I think the second one is pretty. It's kind of muted. It's not loud, and it's yeah. definitely like a she's doing something, and it's like a fuck. she's being tugged on like that tether. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because because yeah. I, well, I think there's. I don't think this is the only circumstance of a film that's gotten away with it twice. I think if you have, if you you can make a case 
to them to be like, look, this is is necessary. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, I know. Like famously, you know, there's a very naked scene in Titanic, and that movie is still rated PG thirteen. So I think it's about taste and intent and right. all that other stuff and too. context. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, there's a moment where a bead of water hits the camera when um, and that's part of the the 3D bullshit. And that's that's what I mean. It's it's just. There, there still are some gimmicky aspects to this film. Yeah, yeah. And especially watching them in 2D become even more gimmicky when you know, oh, they put this in because they knew it was going to be in 3D. Well, and I, so I watched, the, but you know, the, the the Blu-ray has like hours of documentaries up behind the footage. I watched quite a bit. I didn't watch all of it, but there was something that the producer um, said that I <laughs> he he was talking about, um, uh, you know, the the, the her rebirth stuff. It's very obvious. It's, but but it, he he was talking about the the fetal position that she's in when she finally gets out of the uh, the clothes as being a very subtle thing, and I I laughed out loud. It's, I it's laughed not that right, and out it's on loud. screen for like twelve thirteen seconds. And it's, it's not just it's not just that she's in the fetal position, but part of her suit come is coming down and oh, it the, looks the, like an umbilical cord. Right. It's yeah. Like what the fuck are we doing? Well, like. Do you? What do you think is subtle about that? It's weird because it, at, at points I'm so caught up in like the score and the sound and the visual effects. I'm in it, and then it's like then you, it's like you haven't trusted me enough that you have to beat me over the head with this stuff. Like, and then she she lands in water and she emerges and her first steps are and even a a, a frog swims by her and yeah. I just I mean, that that I like a little more than. The fetal position scene, even though I think we can't disacknowledge that I think that has become one of the most iconic shots of the century so far in film. Really? I, I would say so. All right. I would look at that and say that's fairly iconic. I guess. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, would... I, I agree that it's not subtle. Yeah. Oh, it's not at all. I don't. I mean, and then this 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 becomes a movie of things where when it when you get past the the really fucking awesome visual effects and i really you know i this reminds me it was just a few years before this when the artist was like the the movie that was sweeping everything and that one best score it was one of those like well yeah it's a silent film the score helps tell the movie this in the same way steven i think steven price was the uh, the composer the score is great i mean it's it's really because of how sparse the actual dialogue is this is helping tell it and usually i hate uh, an overwhelming score, but we I, need it in this. I think it earns it, yeah. especially when it goes really big at the end when she's on reentry in the in the Chinese uh, escape pod. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think it really gets to earn that big moment, unlike some other scores by people like John Williams and and Danny Elfman, where they're just beating you about the head and, head and face with it. <laughs> like this movie really earns those moments, which is which is great because now I get to segue into the silent space version. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were talking about this. I so, want to hear this. The their Warner Brothers put out a, a Blu-ray there in their Diamond Lux series of like higher end releases. So like in there they have like Gremlins and Ben Hur and Gone with the Wind and Forrest Gump. They did these these nice uh, like magnetic packages uh, okay. for them. Um, so on that, I think it's ex- for physical media. It was exclusive to that the silent space version where they pulled out all of the um, the sound. Now, I'm not going to spend $95 on that, which it's 
that's what it currently costs because it was like a limited run and then it's gone. I think the cheapest I saw it on eBay was 95 bucks. Not spending that. Come to find out that my digital coffee actually has it as well. I was like, great. Now I don't have to spend that ridiculous amount of money for something I'm going to watch and maybe partially enjoy once. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, watch the Silent Space version. Now, sorry, when you say pull up all sound. Not all sound. Okay. Just all score. All oh, music. okay, great. Gotcha. So it's... You get you're in it with them. There's no music driving the film or there to remind you that it's a movie or give you these uplifting or tense moments. There's still obviously sound effects and still dialogue on the soundtrack. Genuinely one of the most intense things I've ever seen in my life, and I'll never watch it again. It was too much. It was much, much too much. And they even wow. there's a little intro where with Karan where he's talking about that. He's like, we wanted to just give it a try for you know people who want more realism and we knew it was going to be tough we know it's hard work and i think it's definitely worth seeing once but holy shit i'll never do it again it was because you're just you're in it yeah like i said you don't have this thing driving you towards the end i mean you're literally hearing the sound that you would have heard on set and i think what what really it, it does credit for is sandra bullock's performance yeah because in those scenes where she has to break down in the conversation with uh, Aningak or, you know, when she's, she's on reentry or where she's, you know, having the conversations with Matt in her head, you know, out loud. Yeah. Like it's, that's just it. You're just in it with her. And it, I think it, it speaks volumes about why she did deserve all the awards attention that she got for this. Yeah. I mean, obviously she, she lost it to Kate Blanchett and I have my own feelings about that, but it's, it really is worth tracking down and watching that silent space version. Interesting. It, it, it's, it's, it is. It's almost too much. There, there are film experiments that I've heard of before, um, similar to that, where you know you watch it a certain way and it's meant to to help kind of uh, evoke a different th- yeah. theme, but just to give you different experience. You talked about pulling all the color out on your TV and watching LA LA Confidential. Confidential in in sort of a version of black and white. Yeah, yeah. Which I which I really liked, and I feel like. Like sometimes movies do it just to do it. Like I know there's that the what is it the Chrome version of Mad Max Fury now, Road. Before you go talking shit about that, I, I haven't seen it. Black and Chrome is amazing. Okay, but I also what's the purpose of it? It seems it, it, more it just, just it gives a different sort of texture to the film. I don't I don't really know how to describe it. But I, there's something about like you describing this or watching Ellie Confidential like as a black and white noir, which is the story it kind of is just. You know, you have to, I mean, there's just something really, there's something that gives a different aesthetic experience about it. Versus, and then, like, they did the same thing with, and I haven't seen, but like Logan, the Logan I have, which I, I've heard the, is less impactful than, say, something like Mad Max. Which sure. I think the, the reason, or at least the, the reason I'm hypothesizing Mad Max having a black and chrome version is it took them like 12 years to make the movie. And in George Miller's offices in his production offices they had the storyboards up because they had storyboarded the film years in advance and so you're looking at these almost comic book like panels and they're in just black and white line drawings yeah and so i guess there's a certain appeal of seeing that particular vision come to life because that's the one that you've lived in for so long and it really it really does provide a different texture to the movie there's some sequences where you feel like ah, i kind of i miss the i miss the big explosive color in this but it's just something about it's definitely a more visceral experience, I think, because you're not distracted by color. Okay, sure, sure. But but yeah, you're in the same way with this. You're not distracted by music. This the, is it's it is more of an a quote unquote experience. Sure, 
Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Yeah. And it's and it's and it brings me over because we talked about we talked about Clooney. I think we should spend a bit of time with with Sandra Bullock. Sure. Uh, now the thing that was really disappointing to hear is that Kiran's original choice was Selma Hayek, and Warner Brothers said nobody will believe a Mexican astronaut. I went, that's a really shitty thing to say. Yeah. In in well any day and age, but. I thought I thought we were. This is Hollywood. We're supposed to be a little more progressive than that. I, I think there's a presentation of it, but I think it's still old white men running the companies. Yeah, of course. The big, the big yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, when I, you, I got instantly disappointed. I was like, man, I would love to see Selma Hayek given a role like this. Yeah, that'd be incredible. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. I have to say, I am glad that we ended up with Bullock instead of someone like Angelina Jolie, who I know they pursued really hard for quite a while. Yeah. I think she turned it down twice. And then I, I, they just and then they just went, the list of people they consider for this thing is incredible. Blake Lively, Natalie Portman. Uh, uh, Marion Coulthard would have been another really interesting choice. Yeah. I and mean, there's something about, and I, there's something about Sandra Bullock of, of the people that you've just said that I, I find interesting because she she's older than them and not old but older and it, it makes me believe not only that she had a child that died but that and it, i don't we don't i don't think she ever references how long it's been but you get the feeling it must have been a couple of years at and, least and that's what i mean is that it, it wasn't a recent thing right. that like she's old enough to have had a child who has died and she's been dealing with it and and I think if you put Natalie Portman or Blake Lively, I don't buy it. And maybe you just, maybe you change it. Maybe it just happened. Maybe she was younger. But there's something about the playing on the playground and the the, the senselessness. What did she of it. call it? She goes, it's just something something stupid. Yeah, just it, something that happened. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think it it helps for the the believability of the character to have somebody like Sandra Bullock in there. And it's a career defining performance. I mean, not that she's ever been a bad actress. She just she makes a different kind of movie. It, she was, for me, I liken it to, to Matthew McConaughey in Mud and Wolf of Wall Street and Dallas Buyers Club and Killer Joe, those couple, two, three years there where he completely turned his career around. Well, don't forget season one, True Detective. And Absolutely. Yeah. Great fucking show. God damn. Um, uh, yeah. This, this for, that's, for me, this was like that for him. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, but when I stopped to think about it, I was like, what, is, what has she really done with it since? Unlike McConaughey, who has continued this trend of challenging films that he's done like Killer Joe. and Well, he hasn't really done anything like Killer Joe. Well, but he's continued a, a trend of a higher quality of film than he was doing, say, did, in the early 2000s. Did you see Serenity? I did. There's exceptions to every rule. I'm just I, saying he's he's continued a trend unlike Sandra Bullock, who has made... Well, one, she's made less films. That's but, true. But they've also... She's trending back down, I think. I see. I don't. I, I know she like. Did she did the thing with uh, our brand is crisis and bird box? She did McCarthy. What was the one she did with uh, Heat? The comedy with with oh uh, yeah, which the, I heard was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and Bird Box for which I haven't seen, you know, was famously you know one of the highest downloaded things on Netflix when it came out. Um, I don't. Well, I, okay. Here's what I'm gonna say. I see the point you're trying to make with McConaughey. I disagree with you, but I understand the point that you're trying to make with Bullock. I, I just feel like she should have. We should have had something else like this by now. Well, from and, her, and you know, in a weird way, bring it back to Clive Owen when you were talking un, about unfair expectations. No, 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 no. no, no, no. But, 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 of course, but, but, but you know, somebody. 
and maybe it's a combination of she's not getting the right roles or she's just backing off. I mean, she's yeah. got to be in her mid to late fifties now, you know, maybe, and maybe she's just slowing down and, you know, I mean, she's got to be making, she's probably pretty fucking well off. I mean, well, I'm sure. But the thing for me is always like strike while the iron's hot, you know, work, you know, get these good projects while goodwill is on your side. You know what I mean? You, I mean, I guess I just wonder too, how, physically and emotionally draining this I have to was. imagine it was tough I'm not going to take anything away from that I I, I mean I, I think I've painted myself into a corner here a little bit <laughs> I'm not saying that she's a bad actress at all I think she's a fantastic actress I think she oh. made a lot of really poor choices up to this point I just would have liked to have seen some more things like this you sure know? yeah continue on this trend let's see what else you can do yeah You've shown us that you're you're more than what some other people think. You're more than just Miss Congeniality or in another romantic comedy with Ryan Reynolds. Clearly, you have the ability to do this if you choose to do it. Yeah. So why not do that? I, it's I mean that's a you know that's a good question and speculation is always fun. Yeah, but I'm not you know I don't know. No, no idea. So the scene the scene that got her all the attention the the, the I know I'm gonna die today. And it's the scene where she's communicating. She's she's on the radios, on the dial. She's trying to communicate with someone, anyone, and mm-hmm. she gets Aningak. Mm-hmm. So off mic, I asked you, had you seen the short? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the short a little bit? Do I want to? Do you want to? No. Art house garbage. <laughs> like, why, why did we need it? We don't. We really don't. No, we the, really don't. And the back and forth of like, I've got a, this dog that I've got to kill maybe, but I'm really attached to it. And then he kills it anyway. Like what, what was the point of that? I, I mean, if, if you're going to be honest, I don't think it had a strong purpose in, in gravity, but I get it. Why it exists as its own thing. No fucking idea. No, I have no problem with it as a scene in the movie. No, no, and I'm saying like I'm I'm okay with it. I get it. It's I, a little emotionally manipulative. Yeah, well, it's more than a little emotionally yeah. manipulative. I mean, there's but, of but course I, there's a crying baby. She ends up hearing too. Like, yeah. yeah oh, like, yeah. oh, are you steering me somewhere, Alfonso? I think so. Yeah. But I like I liked not. I think it's my own fault. I just shouldn't have watched it. Like I I liked not knowing exactly what he was saying on the other side, and now knowing what he said, it'll never live up to what I think he was saying. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, and granted, I don't know how often I'll go back to rewatch Gravity, but I do know whenever the hell that is, because this will be this will be a good movie. I, I equate this to like a Forrest Gump or something else, where it's like when Stella's like. 10 or 11 she'll be able to like get it and i'll be like you know what i want to watch something that isn't fucking frozen for the hundredth and eight goddamn time like we can put on gravity i think it might you know be intense at times but there's no it's not there's no blood there's no gore it could be tense but i think you know it's like it'll be a good dazzling film it's mesmerizingly beautiful exactly so i'm sure i will go back to this and i guarantee i will have forgotten what the subtitles were for anagak i just Whatever, um, I did. I, I did want to bring up. Um, there's a moment where she's. I gotta make sure she's 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 lost power of the Suez, right? And she's trying to get to the um. Oh goddamn, the Chinese one. I don't know what it was called. Um, yeah, there's another, but it does the same thing essentially. And then she's she's essentially using um a fire extinguisher to help 
Um, now, here's what I'm gonna say. I have no. Pro- I get. I mean, I don't care what the space shit is about that. If it's realistic or not, I get it in the storytelling of the movie. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is right before she's about to leave, she she like has a moment where she goes, oh, and then grabs it. Are you telling me that this whole plan is really about using the goddamn fire extinguisher and you almost left without it? What? Well, I think that's that's a human moment is, is she's so excited to get where she needs to go that some something's going to get missed. Okay, I want to see the movie where she goes out without it. Yeah. I want to see that. Because that's fucking so stupid. That's what. That's a little beat we didn't need. Right. And and I'm sorry to harp on that. I'm trying to rationalize. I know, but I fucking like what? Why? Don't don't make me believe that she almost left without it. That's her whole fucking plan. Sorry. Bad Uh, bad writing. Although I did write, I did write at one point. I go, how ballsy would it have been if she died? That's yeah. That's a different movie. I mean, I I know it is, and I realize that that wouldn't have given us the hopeful ending of rebirth. But like, can a movie just be about like the the will to survive? But maybe not. I mean, and I get there. Maybe there are movies out there like it. But I, at one point, she's plummet. She's going down, right? And I'm like, fuck me. What if she died? Like, what if all of this was ultimately for nothing? Yeah, pull the Christopher McCandless episode and or or. or into the wild he he doesn't make it you know pull one of those be ball it's based on a true story so it's a little different yeah that's but, true you that's know. true oh I, I wrote this down too and and maybe maybe you can help me with this and flesh this out because so this was this this was the last what like one of the last notes i took i said is it just that to be in space you need to be extraordinary and i can't relate to this question mark because i i get the will to survive that that's that's pretty human i get that but i found it hard to really sympathize with her given the 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 extreme specificity to to her situation right being in space and having to maneuver from thing to thing and i just found myself going i it was hard to connect with her you know, and I hate this. I'm totally going to sound like a dick here, but like her daughter's already gone. I mean, I'm glad she had the will to keep fighting, but, and then she was like, she was talking to like, you know, Matt, if you see her up there, tell her I found what I found her bow and whatever. Oh, her, her red shoe. Or yeah. Something. Her red yeah. shoe. And I'm like, wasn't it, isn't it more like, I would have liked that so much more if she's like, fuck, fuck Matt. He's gone. Talk to your daughter, yeah, and say like, I don't know if if I, I might be seeing you soon. I don't, you know, like like, th- I don't know. And then there was something like, uh, I didn't like how s- sure she was that she was gonna make it. I I don't know. I the script of this movie is not great. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. I really the script is rough. Um, and and going back to the accolades, did <laughs> yeah. it did it win? No, it wasn't even up for screenplay. It wasn't up for screenplay. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it was at the Baftas, but not yes. at the Oscars. Yes, and it's one of those things which where... it lost to American Hustle, which oof, Ugh. that fucking dog shit. I think fucking... that 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 would set a record for uh, a movie with the most nominations to not win any. I think it had eleven. Yeah, yeah. Well, that movie is just 
poor man's Goodfellas. Well, that's a that's it's, an insult it's, to Goodfellas. It's poor man's Goodfellas crossed with poor man's Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, fucking Louis C.K., Jennifer Lawrence, and Bradley Cooper trying their best, while Amy Adams and and Christian Bale act circles around all of them. I'm sorry, Bradley Cooper is making a different fucking movie than everybody else. Well, and and that and David, I know David O. Russell kind of found his muse in a way when he got her in Silver Linings Playbook, which which I will admit is a movie I like and I like her in it. But she is too young in that and she's way too young in Joy and I don't buy her. as I, And maybe it's because I think she's around our age or younger. I don't buy her as a mom. I just don't yet. And yeah. maybe it's because she still looks so young. But no, I don't. Like that'd have been like Jennifer Lawrence in this movie. But like, fuck you. Get yeah. out of here with this no garbage. Yeah, exactly. I know I'm not saying she was considered. I'm just saying like that would have been fucking unbelievable. Um, so do you, you want to say just do you have nice things? Or do you yeah. want to say some well, nice things? I okay. No, okay. I think I'm not ragging on you on, for being wait, critical. Me, but. No, no, let me, but let me go back. So I want to read let me, this is what it won, right? Best director, cinematographer, editing score, both sounds and visual effects. Now directing's tough. Because best director for a film, it's weird because are, are you are you rewarding the camera work? Are you rewarding the performances? Are you rewarding inventiveness? Are you rewarding? So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one aside because I don't know how I feel about it. But all these other ones, totally on board with. The one I'm not is cinematography, which I I get, and that's tough with a visual effects heavy movie. It, the visual effects 100% deserves them. I I. All day long, every day. It's just that. like it's just like Avatar winning best cinematography. Exactly. It's all fucking digital. Yeah. Yeah. That would be like giving any of those Marvel movies best cinematography. Yeah. yeah okay. Or or specifically Endgame. Like half the movie is on a fucking green screen. Yeah. Like, what? What are exactly? What are we rewarding here? Yeah. So I, I have a major. I love Emmanuel Lubezki, and I'm not taking away. From any of the the hard, I know I I have to imagine how hard it was to because every shot has to be so meticulously planned out. Yeah, but it's all you're you're filming an actor's face on a green screen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, how is that good cinematography? I don't know. I don't know. Clearly, I don't understand the definition of the word. I. <laughs> The visual effects, yes. Cinematography, toss that the fuck out. So do not guess, agree with so that. Do you have, who's your unsung hero? You know, I didn't prep one. I, I, mine, okay, because because I feel like this movie is, I feel like two people get sung, really. It's Quaron and Sandra Bullock. I, I think Stephen Price is the unsung hero. I'm totally okay with that. I, his score helps tell the story. Yeah. And it, I, I, in the silent space version, I really missed it. Yeah. I really missed it. I, I, whenever I felt myself not totally engaged with what was happening with the story, that score would kick in. I'd be like, this is good. This is a good score. That, that final bit of score. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned, Children of Men being life-affirming, that is a that is a really, that piece of score is a really life-affirming piece of music yeah. in that particular moment. Yeah. So Clooney. I want to okay. come, come back to Clooney. How okay. do you feel about the hallucination? Is it because I've got a couple of things here? Is it a great foil pushing her to live, or is it a cheap trick? Um, because I remember at the time I felt like it was a cheap trick, and now I'm not so sure. I I I still lean towards that. 
And I, I lean towards that one, not because of anything that she's doing or he's doing, but because this movie seems to be full of cheap tricks. And again, would it surprise you to find out that he helped write that scene? Because they couldn't come up with a, a satisfactory sort of end for his character. That would not surprise. Well, hold on, wait, 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 wait. He he helped come up with the idea of coming back, or he helped fill the dialogue. I believe it was both. Um, I don't know. I I don't. I think I. From what I can tell, he's just being his charming self in it, trying to get her to. Uh, there's the vodka I was talking about. No, you got to do this button. You're going to be fine. Whatever. Yeah, I'm okay with the the, the words. Well, I re- yeah, I really you know. like that dialogue. You know, it's easy to just we could turn all this off. We could just go to sleep. We could give up. Yeah. And then of course there's the it's time to go home. Yeah. Which I feel is a bit cheesy, but there's a in couple. the moment I think it works. I mean, is it a trope? Is it a trope that every space movie you have to say the line can't beat the view? Does every movie in space have to say that? I I think so. Or the I've got I've got a bad feeling about this. (laughs) I do like his stories. Again, and that's and that's fun, and it sucks because like the best bits of dialogue are like not plot pivotal at all. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, his his stories are pretty funny. I love that we never find out the end of the Mardi Gras story. But I but I like that there's what is it like you know um that's affirmative uh that's one mission control hasn't heard or whatever they give him permission to tell the rest of the story. We've definitely heard the Corvette story. Especially engineering. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I do think it's closer to cheesy, though. A, a cheap trick. I Because I feel like this movie is not very subtle. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's, that's funny. That's, when we talk about things being not subtle, we usually talk about the score. It's funny that it's flipped in this episode. And I think... I, I think we're, we're agreeing that the score is the best thing in it. I, I That's... I, yeah. Hard... I, I mean, Bullock's performance is great. Yeah, but uh, well, the score makes at least top three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd put it probably at two. Yeah. Yeah. Behind the visual effects or behind Bullock? Behind the visual effects. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Then visual effects, score, and then Bullock, and then Quan. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then and then Clooney's smile. Yeah. <laughs> or his or his eyes. I do love that is a moment I do actually really love where he finally grabs her after I know you never realized how devastatingly handsome I was or yeah. something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I need you to stop looking in my eyes. So this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. Are we already at question time? I think so. Because we haven't done favorite shots. Okay. I have one that still takes my breath away. It's when she's drifting in in the uh, the soyas that she took from the ISS, okay. and it's you, the sun is on the far left of the screen, and it's it's night on the other side of the world, and you see a Bora Borealis. Mm-hmm. That just it take it's cheesy. I don't give a shit. It takes my breath away. There's a moment really. It's it's right after the debris is uh, first hit, and and uh, she gets she she gets she's she's attached to that one like that beam. And then she releases and she starts flipping oh, she's floating backwards. Away, yeah. And there's talk about iconic shots. If if the fetal position isn't the iconic shot, I think it's that. I think it's her spinning out yeah. of control. And and the camera this is this really great switch where um we're watching her spin to then spinning with her. Yeah. That might be mine. I really liked I don't know how they did it, but I it it was really it was a neat piece of, of camera work there. And I don't think we've talked enough about the POV in this. How the, the the shifting perspectives in this film, especially whenever she goes inside 
the ISS and the Chinese station, where you discover it with her. Yeah. That the camera moves inside her helmet. That I really, really like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And when it pans from her face when she's trying to hail uh, the, the Clooney character and then it pans to the earth and, you know, reminds you that you're so close yet still so far away. That's, that's what came into my head. It's like, man, you, out the window, it feels like you could just look out and touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Question time. I think so. Does gravity deserve to be in the book? No. I think it is a very worthwhile film. Mm -hmm. I think fans of of space films and survival films, you're going to get a lot out of it. Yes. Uh, Children of Men should go back in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Children of Men is more poignant now than it has ever been, and it's going to just keep getting more poignant. It's both terrible and as i said earlier the episode it's a life-affirming film it's a film that should give both a warning and hope yeah i would agree it's fuck man it is still one of the most powerful experiences i've ever had i was sobbing at the end of that film in a theater by myself right down the street from where you live that uh regal in marysville all right a wreck just a fucking wreck I yeah. was. I, I don't. I, I don't care. I cry. Oh in movies. no! I, I cry in movies all the fucking time. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, it's funny. I hadn't written down an answer yet to this until I had my children of men recommendation. Because I, I just was out of my. I wasn't thinking about Quran. And uh, you said children of men. I was like, did you fuck have? Me. Did you have an alternative? If I didn't, uh, if I hadn't to come up with children of men, where where would you go? I I, I might have said yes. That it should be. Yeah. Just based on the, the the visuals and yeah and Bullock and the score yeah and it's the, you know we we both said no pretty quick but it's not like that was it's not an easy no it's not a no. resounding no no it it took me a, trust me it took me a while to get there but it's not it's it's not I think yeah I think Children of Men is more deserving uh, quick and I, I I don't I just maybe there's some recency thing here would you would you keep in would you keep in Gravity and take out Roma ooh. I really want to see Roma again. I need to see it again too. I found Roma at times really indulgent, like oh, really indulgent. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and I remember us talking about that yeah. after I watched it. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. So I I don't I, at the moment I would say I see, I would they're they're both worthwhile films. Yeah, you know what I mean. There is there is a lot to appreciate about them. I think almost almost more so in Roma. I think Roma has a slight edge because I like. I like that it's a smaller film. I like how personal it is. But yes, it is extremely indulgent well, and probably oh, you know a what? probably a good fifteen minutes too long. But you know what's funny about that is is and I, I think the reason why I would agree with you about keeping Roma over over Gravity if that was the way things you know shook out. I know I've mentioned this a couple times with with certain directors, and it's my fear. Are we talking about going back to back to your roots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's my fear that maybe Denis is going to not. He's going to keep making bigger and bigger and not do something small again. We've seen what's happened with Christopher Nolan. He keeps making these bigger and bigger movies. And that's what happened with Corona in a very real way until Roma. Yeah. Um, and so it definitely has my respect yeah, for that alone. Because because my favorite of his movies is not in the book. And that's E2 Mama Tamban. That movie is fucking awesome. And was, again, it, was it in the book at a, one a point? A long time. I think maybe in its first iteration yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, that movie is so good. And um, it's a bummer that it's not in the book. Uh and to get something back, you know, in his in his uh, native language, 
yeah. in the I mean Roma I know Roma is but I would you know to, I I would easily replace Ichimama with with any Corona to make sure it was in the book but that's that's just me. Now if we had to go with a a sort of I was thinking about how to to weasel the Martian into the book. And that was my that was my initial thought is fuck gravity the Martian is a thousand times more fun. Well that well that's true. It I is like, more, I, definitely more fun. I, and I love and I've seen the Martian probably four or five times now and it just keeps getting more fun every time I watch it. I've only seen it the one time still. It's it's such a feel good and I love how bombastic the soundtrack is with all those like 70s disco because that's all he has. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that they just embrace that. I don't know. There's there's a lot that I love about about the Martian. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's gotta be children of men has to go back in. Absolutely. No doubt. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um so it's a no from us. We think that children of men should go in to replace it. However, as always, we want to know what you think. So what do you think of gravity? Do you think it deserves to be in the book? Is this something that everybody should see? Do you think maybe Children of Men should go in. Do you think something else of his should go in? Well, please hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter. Let us know what you think. You can support us at patreon.com slash 1001 by one. You can listen to this show on Spotify and Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all those great places, and many more, I'm sure. So um, until then, I'm Adam. And I'm Ian. And we will see you next week. <laughs>